I'm going to be bringing um, part three of our series that we have been doing called Promises. Um, Mike and Amy have brought the first two in, and Mike was talking about God's promise for love, and then um, Amy was talking about God's promises in the waiting seasons. And so this morning, I really felt to kind of, I guess, carry on from what Amy had shared um, about the waiting seasons. And so um, this morning, I'm going to be talking about peace. But it's quite funny thinking back what an interesting year we had last year. (laughs) Um, I don't think anyone can say they've lived a year like they did last year. Um, We went from being able to meet together, um, all together in church, to having to stay in our homes and toilet paper being the most valued possession that the world could have, all within a couple of days. Um, And it was just a really weird thing that happened really fast. Um, but I think, when I think about, think back about the year, um, there was so much that went on that was quite weird and that we ended up having to kind of just make decisions and do. But I think one of the weirdest things for me was the whole standing in line outside the supermarket. Um, so you turn up and you kind of, you, how many people here scouted the supermarket and carried on driving because the line was too long? Be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but it was this weird um, feeling of having to stand outside this, um, the supermarket in this line and there was this awkward silence, and, and everyone kind of had this vibe about them. It was a combination of like, this is ridiculous. Do we really have to do this? But then the other part of them was just like, if you stand too close to me, I'm going to karate chop you. <laughs> Give me my distance. I'm not going to lie. I loved the distancing when it came to checkouts. How bad is it when you're at the checkout, and the person behind you is like standing on your tail. You can feel them breathing on your neck, and you're like, where's the personal space here? So I liked that side of things with it. But it was just a really weird year. Anyone else here have hay fever? How bad was it to have hay fever at that time of year? I, I feel like I got a glimpse of what it felt to be like a leper in biblical times. Um, because I'm walking through supermarkets and there were some days I'm really bad and I'm, I look a mess. My eyes was a bit swollen and, and watery. Um, I'm sniffing. And then I remember um, I was in the supermarket and I sneezed. And this lady, she was like a good three, four meters away from me. And she turned around and gave me the foulest look because I sneezed. How dare he sneeze in the supermarket this time of year? You can't sneeze. Um, And so me, being the mature person I am, thought, well, fine then, and did a really loud sniff on purpose, and she was gone. She was out of there. Um, I considered following her, but I thought, no, I better not do that. I'll just pray. We'll pray for her. Um, (laughs) How about the times when you're, like, sitting at home, and then you realize, oh, no, I've coughed, like, three times in the last minute. Do I need to get tested? Do I have it? Actually, now to think about it, my nose is quite runny. Oh, actually, I'm quite short of breath. Oh, no, do I need to get tested? Or because you coughed three times in a minute. It was a weird year. And I know that coming into this year, people are, uh, are happy because 2020 is over, but then also some people are a bit anxious because they're thinking, what's this year going to look like? Is it going to be better? Is it going to be the same? How easy is it to dwell on things and consume our thoughts with the what-ifs? Our mind can quickly be overrun and overwhelmed by the things that might be that we lose sight of what is. Philippians 4, 4 4-7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In a world full of uncertainty and anxiety, we need not to focus on the things that we don't know and the hundreds of potential outcomes, but we need to focus on things we do know, that God is good and he promises peace, which transcends all understanding. This morning, I've titled my message, Practice Peace. Now, I'm not someone who gets um, overwhelmed 
by my circumstances often. I've always been quite an optimistic person, and I'm naturally a bit of a problem solver. So if anything does kind of cave in and go wrong, my first thing is, right, let's, let's solve this problem. Let's, let's figure out how we're going to get out of this. Um, and that's my first go-to. Um, but in August 2018, life hit me kind of hard and tested me um, in quite a big way. On August 1st, 2018, some really good friends of ours um, that I studied with and then um, they were involved in our wedding and, and we kind of were best friends with them when we were in Tauranga. Um, they were moving to London to live and they're still over there at the moment and they're enjoying a great time over there with the lockdown that's still carrying on over there. Um, but they were moving over there to work and just travel a bit and so we thought, oh, we're going to cruise down and meet them at the Auckland airport and so this is on, on August 1st, 2018. So we went down to the airport um, to hang out with them one last time and to, and to see them off. And um, when we got there, um, my friend, his name's Nate, he goes, oh, here, you can look after this while I'm away. And he gave me his cruiser board. So a cruiser board is kind of like a, com- oh, a combination or in between of a skateboard and a longboard. Um, it's literally the name. It's for cruising around on. Good fun. Um, and so I was like, oh, sweet. So I can have that. And um, he said, yeah, look after it while I'm over there. I can't take it with me. And I was like, all good. And so the next morning, so I got it on the 1st of August. 2nd of August, Thursday morning, I was going down to the cafe, um, there's a cafe just down the road from my old place, and, and go down there, have a coffee and a bit of a Devo time and do some reading. I thought, oh, I've got a new board, I can just ride my board instead of walking. Um, there were a few little downhills on the way, but I used to longboard quite a bit when I was in Tauranga, I used to hit big hills and, and, and did it quite a bit and loved it, so I thought, oh, that's no worries. Um, looking back now, um, <laughs> looking back now, I realized it'd been a good two years since I'd last ridden the longboard. Um, and this was a completely different board that I wasn't used to and I hadn't ridden it yet. Um, isn't hindsight a great thing? Um, anyways, I was going down this little downhill, um, got big speed wobbles and just absolutely plastered it. Straight into the road, hit the road, scraped, rolled, bit of everything. Don't really know. All I remember is just the impact from my shoulder hit the road, just how hard it was. I still remember it now. And, so I hit the road, glasses went one way, phone and book went the other way. I like, get up, I don't know where anything is. I look over, see my phone on the road, see this car coming. I'm like, well, there goes my phone. Luckily, the tire missed it by like that much. Um, this old lady saw it all happen. Um, she was the only one, praise the Lord. There weren't a whole lot of people around seeing it happen. Um, and she comes up and she goes, are you okay? And me thinking, I was like, yeah. <clears throat> I got up and I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. It's, it's a new board. It's all part of it. That's, what it, that's exactly what I said. I, I think right now I'm just like, it's not all part of it. <laughs> I got a new board. It's the first time I'd ridden it. It's not all part of it. So anyway, I got up. Um, I'd ripped all the skin off my knuckles. Um, I'd ripped my T-shirt. Uh, I knew I'd done something down here because I could feel it bleeding. Um, and I was just like, right, oh, well, only thing to do now is walk back home. Um, I didn't make it to the cafe. I didn't get my coffee. Um, and so I had this walk back home, five-minute walk back home, limping. And I get inside, clean up my wounds, and I sit down, and I start feeling a little bit lightheaded. And I thought, oh, I probably shouldn't go into work today. So... Got on the phone and I called Yvonne. Can I tell you now, everyone needs an Auntie Parky in their life. Um, first thing Yvonne says is like, I hope you're okay. Are you going to White Cross? <laughs> and I'm just like, nah, I'll be fine. I'm just grazed up. I'm just a bit sore. And she goes, no, go get it checked out. And I'm just like, okay. So I did. I went and got it checked out. Um, turns out I'd broken the scaphoid in my hand. Um, they told me I'd broken the scaphoid and I was in a cast for eight weeks. I was like, okay, great. I've done that before. That's fine. Cast for eight weeks. Fast forward a few months. I get my cast off in October and went straight into rehab um, at the physio, hand and wrist physio. Two months later, um, there was an improvement. The general pain had gone, um, but if I knocked it, it still really hurt, and, and I wasn't getting my range of movement back into my wrist, and they weren't sure why. Um, and so the physio decided to refer me to a specialist here in Whangarei. On January 18th, so this is a good five to six months after I broke my wrist, 
I found out that the scaphoid had healed well, but the impact with the road had caused a lot of ligament damage on my wrist. And the bone next to the scaphoid is called the lunate, and it's meant to sit. How am I going to do this holding a microphone? It's meant to sit like a moon. It's like a moon shape, meant to sit like this. And what it had done is it had moved. And it was locking my whole wrist up, so I couldn't move my wrist up because there was a bone holding everything in place and locked my whole wrist up. Um, so this was, <laughs> it was good to know what happened. Um, I now knew why my wrist hurt so much when I decided to drum on December 13th. Um, <laughs> Benji was away, so I was like, oh yeah, I can drum, it should be all right, it's, you know, the, the bone's better. Um, I was ice packing my wrist in between services and Again, hindsight, it's a great thing. So the specialist said to me, he goes, look, this is a bit out of my expertise. Um, I want to refer you to someone in Auckland to go have a look at it. Um, so he referred me to a guy named Dr. Wolfgang Heistunlop. How cool is that name? I wasn't sure if I should be scared or excited. Um, so, <laughs> so anyway, he referred me to Dr. Wolfgang. Um, and so I went on February 19th to see Dr. Wolfgang. And it was a long drive to Auckland for a five-minute meeting with him. He looked at all the MRI looked at everything, and this is what he said to me along these lines. I'm going to need more time to figure out what we can do. The way the lunate is sitting is rare. Usually it it turns the other way. I have monthly meetings with some of my other specialists in Auckland where we get together and discuss special and unique cases and the best approach to take. I don't want to give you any answers right now as I don't want to give you false info. So I had a five-hour return trip for the worst five-minute meeting of my life. (laughs) I'm right-handed into music, into sports, and he told me, I don't know what to do with your wrist. This went from me thinking I'd just broken my scaphoid to now I don't know what's going to happen with my wrist. Now, as I said earlier, I'm quite an optimistic person, but I left that meeting, that appointment, feeling pretty defeated. It seemed like every single time I went to see someone else or to a different meeting or a different appointment that I keep getting worse news and worse news and worse news, and it kept getting bigger and bigger. This wasn't my first big injury. In 2015, um, I fully ruptured my ACL, tore the meniscus on both sides, and had to have a full reconstruction surgery, which followed like 12 months of rehab. And so I'd been through big surgery, big rehab before, but this one hit different. At this point, I had about this much movement in my wrist. That was it. It hurt to lift and carry my own daughter. I couldn't play the drums, which I'd been playing from the age of 10 and studied when I left high school. I couldn't open things. I had next to no grip strength. I couldn't throw a ball. Um, I couldn't even high-five people. Like, I still can't to this day, which I'll explain more to I can, but, like, I didn't have that motion in my hand. Um, picking things up, I couldn't bend my wrist. I had to, like, I had like, this awkward claw. <laughs> um, I was at this place. It was just like, man, what is going to happen? What made it harder is I knew that one of the options that all the specialists were going to discuss together is the option of a full wrist fusion, which is where they pretty much just put a plate or a rod right through your wrist, screw it all together, and lock your whole wrist up. And I knew that was one of the options that they were discussing. The next time I saw Dr. Wolfgang was July 23rd. So this is another five months of waiting and not knowing what would happen. He told me that I would get a partial wrist fusion, and on August 29th, I got my surgery. So I've got a picture here of what they did to my wrist. Um, So you can see, here, I'll stand up here. So you can see the scaphoid over here is the one that I broke originally. Um, The lunate is the one next to it. And then the radius, my wrist, my um, forearm. So they had to take a bone graft from my hip and fuse those three bones together and lock that joint in order to release the other joint. So I got a partial wrist fusion. And then you can see the giant gap here is where I tore the ligaments. And so I've still just got like a big gap. Um, (laughs) So this is the operation that I had to go through. 
it was full on. So they, like I said, they had to cut me open here, get a bone graft, fuse it all together, staple it together, and lock up that joint. So I can now, I've got that, which I'm extremely grateful for, but if you compare it, you know. And so this is my wrist. This is my wrist for life until God says otherwise. <laughs> so why am I telling you this story? See, I was left waiting and wondering what was going to happen for a good 10 months. These were, these were days and moments where I really struggled. I don't cry often. I get emotional and shed a few tears, but it's not often I have a good cry. Um, and I can tell you I had a few of those. Those were the days where I either hurt my wrist doing a simple day-to-day task that I should be able to do fine, or days where I couldn't do things with Kira because my wrist was too sore, but she was only two years old and didn't understand why I couldn't pick her up or do stuff with her. It was these days that I dwelled on the negative and it consumed me. What was I meant to do? Where was the light at the end of the tunnel in this situation? After many chats with people and some really intentional, honest, and raw prayer times, I had reached a point in my life where I had to make a decision. Have you ever been in an event or a place and you turn up or maybe a store and you turn up and enjoying it and then someone says, oh, go help yourself to that over there, whether it's a whole pile of food or maybe it's resources and books or maybe it's a store that has a whole lot of stuff they're giving away. Or, but this feeling where someone comes up and says, that's free, help yourself, go grab what you want. This feeling of like, really? I don't have to pay anything? Can I take that? <laughs> there was one time at our, one of our block courses when I was doing internship where I turned up and walked into the room where we had our main classes and as I walked past, I looked and I was like, oh, there's a water cooler. It's got Lipton iced tea stickers all over it and stuff. And I was like, oh, it must be like a special water cooler. Turns out there was real Lipton iced tea in there and we could help ourselves. Like this might seem little, but how good is a nice ice cold peach iced tea on a summer's day? And, and I thought, oh, okay, cool, sweet. But like, it was there. They keep refilling it. And they're like, help yourself, help yourself. I drank no water that week. I just had iced tea all week. Not good, but man, it was good. Um, and so we just, us and the other interns, were just drinking iced tea like all week. Um, and, and the machine never returned. Um, <laughs> I think we might have abused that, that, that freedom for a moment there. But did you know that on the table today, for you to help yourself, there is God's peace. It's free. You just need to receive it. When Paul wrote that verse I read earlier in Philippians, saying, don't be anxious about anything. He was in prison. He's in prison not knowing what's going to happen, and he's saying, rejoice. Don't be anxious. Rejoice. Trust in God. So he had a choice to make. Am I going to dwell on my struggles and restrictions, or am I going to receive God's promise, his peace? I titled today's message, Practice Peace, because I believe that there are practical steps that we can take to receive his peace during hardships, and I believe it gets easier the more we do it. So today I want to look at four steps that I took to practice peace. First one, take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. Second Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, in this passage of Scripture, Paul is talking about the spiritual warfare against the false, prophet, false, false apostles in the Corinthian church. He is saying that they can and will prove that God's word is wiser than the teachings of false prophets that contradict God's word. And all thoughts, opinions, and doctrines and other people <coughs> that promote a worldview as opposed to God-centered view will be controlled and put down. I love how boss that verse is when you look at it at that, <laughs> at that perspective. See, there were days where I had to stop the negative thoughts straight away from entering my mind 
and replace them with healthy, positive thoughts. Many scientists believe that we can actually create new neural pathways by changing our thoughts because it can change, because it changes negative thought patterns. This is what Paul's talking about when he said, take every thought captive. Don't allow those thoughts to take root. The second one this morning, fix your eyes on the truth. In the book of John from chapter 13, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave, leave the world and to go back to his father. For the next few chapters, Jesus ate with his disciples and begins to talk to them and prepare them for what's coming next. He washed their feet. He predicted his betrayal. He predicted Peter's denial. And then he goes on to preach to them about the Father and the Holy Spirit and how the world is going to test them as his disciples. In chapter 16, Jesus is concluding his sermon with the disciples. And he says, In a little while you will see me no more. Then after a while you will see me again. Immediately the disciples started thinking, Wait, why is he saying this? What does he mean by a little while? And they start kind of panicking and thinking, what is a little while? When will we see you again? Why, you know, where are you going? When will we see you again? And start on this little, this line after he's just preached to them and told them about what's to come. Jesus has spoken to them about what was to come and encouraging that they will not be alone. Yet they got caught up on the wrong thing and began to worry. They lost sight of what Jesus was truly saying. So Jesus reminds them and clearly explains and he concludes with this. John sixteen thirty three, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. See, what Jesus said was true. They will mourn and they will, while the world rejoices, now was the disciples' time to grieve, but they would see Jesus again and no one would be able to take away their joy. The disciples had to choose not to focus on the trials ahead and instead fix their eyes on what was true, fix their eyes on the truth, the one who had already overcome the world. The next one this morning is make the choice to rejoice. See, this can be a hard one, but it's not out of reach. It just takes some time. Like Jesus said to his disciples, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. See, life can throw big obstacles at us and sometimes we can feel like it flips our world upside down. When those seasons come, it's okay to grieve. Actually, it's important to grieve. It's important to process it. But can I encourage you this morning that grief is a passage and not a place to stay. Grief is a corridor that we all must walk down in order to find healing. But please don't linger and stay there. You don't need to be held back and defined by your circumstances. You see, if we choose to build our lives around the foundation of God's word and promises for us and choose to rejoice in him every season, then we cannot be shaken. Isaiah 54.10 says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. You see, we are a product of our choices that we make, not the circumstances that we face. And lastly, this morning as the team join me. Lose control and trust him. Philippians 4, 4-7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by, the prayer, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. During those five months of waiting to hear what the specialist is going to do with my wrist, I got to a point where I realized I have absolutely no control in this situation. Nothing I can do now is going to control the outcome. What has happened has happened. Right now, I can either sit here and be held back by this, or I can hand it over to God with prayer and thanksgiving and have peace in knowing that God is good and has a plan for my life. 
They plan to prosper me and to give me hope in the future. I um, in this time I intentionally got away. I said to Gaza, I said, I need, to, I need to go. I need to go away for a night. I need to pray. I need to worship. Um, it's really getting to me. It's really getting me down. And so I did that. And, and I think it's probably the first time I've ever done it that intentionally and, and that raw. Um, I was I was honest with God. And I said this sucks and I, I don't like it. Um, you know I don't. I'm, at the time, was I'm only 26, um, and, and I don't want to have a fully locked up wrist for the rest of my life. And the specials are telling me, "Oh, people do it." You know, I get all the time, and they still go back to work. I know tradies that fully locked wrist. I'm like, "That's fine," but that's not me, and I don't want that. And and I was I was honest with God, and, and if I'm being honest, I was still pretty gutted when I saw the word partial fusion. But you know, you can look at the bright side, and it wasn't a full fusion. See, my mindset went from think of all the things I won't be able to do to. God, what do you want me to learn in this season? And what are, the, what are some of the things that I've been missing or taking for granted? You realize some of those things you've been taking for granted when for a whole year, that's like the movement in your wrist and you can't do anything with it. There are a lot of things you take for granted. You know, I decided to, I thought to myself, you know what, I might start training up my left arm, become more ambidextrous. Apparently it's really good for your brain because you use other parts of your brain. So I started doing that and just little practical things that, it's like I can look at this as a negative or I can look at this as an opportunity to grow somewhere else and do something else. And, you know, and then I, I was determined. I was like, well, as soon as I get the clear to do rehab, I'm going to do that so I can, so I can drum again. And, and I can drum again. Yay. <laughs> um, <laughs> it feels a bit weird. I'm still getting used to it. And I still have a lot of muscle memory and, and muscle strength to build up. But I'm grateful that I can drum again. Can I encourage you today that whatever it is that is overwhelming you, whatever it is that is holding you down and consuming you, hand it over to God. It's okay to say that this is too hard. It's, I can't do this because it's in those moments that we let go and we let God. You see, control and trust do not coexist very well together. If we hold on so tightly to things in order to feel like we're in control, we aren't allowing room for God to move. It's not always easy, but throughout Scripture, God instructs us to trust Him. God doesn't promise He'll give us all the answers and not that we don't know all the details, but what we do know is that God promises peace which transcends all understanding if we were just to submit our ways and present our request to Him through prayer and thanksgiving. See, this isn't something you do once and then you're sorted for life and you're going to be the most peaceful person in your whole life. It doesn't work like that. It's a repeated choice and something that will get easier the more you do it. We won't always get it right, but the more we can get into the habit of handing things over to God, the easier it will become and the more confident we will become in life and the things that we take on. If we get into the habit of giving it to God straight away, involving Him, the more we practice peace, the stronger and more confident we will feel. God's peace is in front of you today and you can help yourself. In closing this morning, maybe today something I've shared has spoken to you, but at the moment you don't actually know where God sits in your life. It can be so easy to try being be in control of everything so that things don't fall apart, but in the process of trying to be so in control, you realize that you're not involving God in any of it. I want to give you the opportunity to invite God back in this morning and allow and trust Him to be in control. Or maybe you've never made that decision before, but you're feeling tired, trapped, empty, mentally and emotionally exhausted, or just in a continual state of worry and anxiety. And you're ready to receive God's love and peace this morning. As we read earlier, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome this world. Jesus paid the price for us so that through him, 
we can have a relationship with the Father. He has already overcome what we are facing. It can be scary, but it's also incredibly freeing knowing that if we hand it over to God, He promises a peace that transcends all understanding, which means we don't need to know everything. It's okay not to know everything because He's got us. We can trust Him. We don't need to be in control of everything. He's got the bigger picture in hand. So this morning, I want to I want to pray. And if either of those of you, whether you think maybe it's you, I've been leaving God out of my life for quite a while now, or, or maybe you've never made the decision to invite Him, can I encourage you as we pray that you pray along with me this morning. So we bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear God, we honor and thank you today. Thank you for sending your son to give his life as an example and a sacrifice for me. This morning I acknowledge the areas in my life that I have fallen short. I ask you for your forgiveness and I ask you to make me whole. Help me, Lord, to stay strong in times of worry and uncertainty. Today I choose to take every thought captive and to rejoice because I can always trust in you. In Jesus' name. Just while everyone's heads are bowed and eyes are still closed. This morning, if you made that decision, whether for the first time or the tenth time, I'm just going to ask you to do one simple thing. I'm just going to count from three. And, and when I get to three, I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up and that's not to embarrass you, but that's actually for you to take the first step of faith, the first step of, of courage and, and to actually say, yep, that's me. And our team are just going to look out because we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to be able to pray with you and, and journey with you. So if that was you this morning, one, God has a plan for you. Two, He loves you and has peace on hand for you. Three, if that was you, do you want to put your hand up where you are now? Awesome. Thanks, bro. Anyone else this morning? I want to make sure I give everyone the opportunity because I've seen firsthand the grip and the hold that anxiety and worry can have on people's lives. So just a couple more seconds. If there's anyone here that is making that decision this morning. Awesome. Lord, we just thank you, God, that you do have a plan, a plan that we might not be able to see the, the final point or the details or what is going to happen, Lord, but we trust you because you know that that plan is for a hope in the future. Lord, this morning we choose to receive that peace that you promise. Lord, this morning we choose to take hold of any thoughts and, and words that have been spoken, anything that's holding us down, Lord, and we give them to you this morning, God, knowing that you can take them you can take the weight so that we can freely step into what you've called us to do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.